Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This song this morning is a little bit fast, so you might want to hitch up your pants to run along with us. Would you stand and sing with us, please? One, and there's some clapping two, opportunities, one, two, three, too. Oh, my God. Oh, I know God's been good, good to my soul. Cheryl Broom, and I am the senior pastor here at Lotus Hills United Methodist Church. If this is the first time you've seen me in a couple of weeks, it's because I've been on vacation. Thank you for that short respite. I enjoyed the time away, but missed you anyway. So I'm glad you're here this morning in worship. If you're new to this congregation, would you fill out this little blue card that's in front of you in the pew backs? And if you have a prayer request, we have a prayer, confidential prayer team who prays here every Monday night at 6 p.m. You're invited to come if you would like to share in the prayers of the people here for this congregation. Write those down. When the offering plate comes by, just put the card in the plate, okay? In the bulletin that you got, did you get a bulletin? It's got so much information about what's happening today in worship and also what's happening next week with Vacation Bible School if you're not a church person, you keep hearing us say VBS. It's not a disease. It is vacation 
Bible school, and it is one of the most formative things that the church can do. So if you're not participating, please see Jesse Spina. Stand up, Jesse, who is our director of education. She has worked so hard to put VBS together, and she still has room for children and folks who are qualified to serve as volunteers, so please see her. With all that being said, I praise God you're here. Let us start our time of worship together. So we light this candle as a sign of God's presence with us. And as the candle is lit, please be aware that Christ is with us every moment. Please be seated. Today we're doing things a little different. Scott Paul, who is the administrative board chair, we are so blessed with his leadership, agreed to come and do the message this morning so that I could be on vacation last week. Thank you. And thank you to all the speakers who've been here in my absence. That would be Jesse Spina and Dick Baldwin. I heard y'all did a marvelous job and I, I didn't even really need to come back. <laughs> but I did anyway. So let us now listen with open hearts and minds to the scripture reading from Psalm 16, verse 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version in your pew Bibles. You may find it on page 486. It's Psalm 16, verse 11. Listen now for a word from God. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And the second verse comes from Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, again from the New Revised Standard Version in your pew Bible on page 628. Isaiah says this, With joy you will draw water from the well of salvation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you please join me in the opening prayer? Abba Father, it is our privilege and joy to praise you. As we sing, let us make a joyful noise to you. As we pray, may our words and thoughts be a pleasing aroma to you. As we open your word, may we trust in your unfailing promises. Your word holds true. It is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you more clearly today, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Before I call the kiddos up, I do want to say thank you to this congregation for all the love and support you've already poured into VBS. It does start tomorrow, so bring me coffee. Um, also, we are setting up for it today from 4 to 8 p.m., and we welcome all hands in doing that. We will be transforming both this building and the education building into ancient Babylon, and it takes a lot of work to do that. So if you're willing to come out and help us put burlap up everywhere and hang decorations, we would love to have you here for that. Um, if you are interested in VBS or you have thought about helping and you have not seen me yet at all about VBS, please, please, please come see me today so I can talk to you about it and find a place for you. We welcome all volunteers. And we are still taking kiddos. At this point, we have about 55, and we have space for just a handful more. But if we get more volunteers, we can take more kids. That's the way it works. So we appreciate all help and anybody who's willing to come out. And we also ask for your prayers next week. So as we go through the week and as we have these kiddos come in here, some of them only attend church during vacation Bible school in the summertime. And it is our opportunity to share God's love for them, 
God's love for the community, God's love just in general, and it's the only time that they get to experience that. So please lift all of the kiddos and the volunteers up this week in your prayers. At this time, we want to invite the, chi- the children, the kiddos. I was saying the chiddos, something like that. I was combining children and kiddos. We'll invite the kiddos up for their moment. Maybe I don't mean, need more coffee. Maybe I've had too much this morning. <laughs> All right, my kiddos, we have started our Back to Basic lessons in the Children's Church over the summer, and we've talked about the creation story, and we've talked about the Great Flood. We're going to talk about Father Abraham. Have you guys heard about that dude? Hi. Maybe. <laughs> Father Abraham is one of those. He's one of those big guys in the Old Testament. We hear about his really big faith in the Old Testament. He's an example to us. And he's got this interesting story because he was promised when he was the age that most people are grandparents of, like, older kids, he was promised that he would have children for the first time. He didn't have any. And that his children would number more than the stars in the sky. Now, that's like a lot of kids for anybody any age. But especially when you're the age of a grandparent, right? To have kids that number more than the stars in the sky. And that was a big promise. And Abraham had to have some really big trust in God to trust that it was going to happen. And more than that, Abraham had to obey what God was asking him to do in order for that promise to come true. So when we go into Spark Worship today, we are going to talk about the promise God made to Abraham and the way he obeyed what God asked him to do. We're going to sing Through It All, which is our theme song for Vacation Bible School for you kiddos who will be coming back for that. And we are going to come back over this way at the end of worship to see one of our friends get baptized. My buddy Callan's getting baptized today, and I'm very excited for that. So we're all going to come back over for the baptism. Does that sound good? All right. Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, fold our hands close our eyes, and talk to God. Say, dear God. Dear God. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your promises. And for giving us examples. And for giving us examples. Of how to trust in you. Of how to trust in you. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, if you're going to spark worship with us, we're going to go straight out the back and wait for the grown-ups out there. Thank you, Jesse. It's joyful to see all you children here joining us in worship. As we pray together as a community of faith, I ask you to fill out the yellow prayer cards. Uh, This community used to call out prayers or pass the mic, and I have um, heard from others that that hurt some people because they didn't feel like our prayers were being held in a confidential nature. And so we ask you to write that down, and only those prayers go to the confidential prayer team. So if you have anything you'd like to lift, please write that, and know that we will be holding you tenderly, closely, in our hearts and prayers before the Lord, okay? So let us prepare our hearts for prayer. At the end of my prayer time, we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. So let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask for your blessings on the people in this place. May the despairing find hope. May the proud be humbled. May the doubting find faith and the anxious find encouragement. May the tempted find help. May the sorrowful find comfort. May the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. And may the lonely find a friend and the cluttered find stillness. 
May the older one find consolation and the younger be inspired. And may you find glory in our worship and we find joy in you. Now, O Lord, pour out your spirit of grace and love today as together we worship you. And this we pray to your glory and in your name as we pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like you guys to join me in the scripture reading, the New Testament scripture reading found on page 891 of your pew Bible. It's found in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and then hid again, then in his joy went and sold everything they had to buy that field. The word of God for the people of God. I'd like you to be in prayer with me for just a second. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing and joyful to you. Amen. Well, this has been a morning of joy. Right from the minute you guys get here, uh, pretty much through this entire service, it's a joy-filled service. I noticed it when I saw the interactions amongst uh, the members of our church uh, when they greet each other and the discussions they have in the pews and the aisles before the service starts. We are a joy-filled people. Uh, the music that we started with, boy, if that wasn't joyful, that was a home run. So... Um, I have to confess something to you. Um, this is not the sermon I had intended to give at all. Um, when I was asked to do this about six weeks ago, um, I had a whole different sermon planned, a whole different idea, one about knowing the difference between knowing God and knowing of God. And having gone through the discernment process, the Bible reading, the writing and editing, and then the prayer and the listening for whether this was the right message, it came to me that this was going to be too dark of a message for such a joyful congregation. Um, and then what hit me was, well, we are a joyful congregation. Let's talk about joy. So that's what ended up happening. I listened to the Holy Spirit. You're going to get the joy sermon instead of the knowing God sermon. So that's what we get. Um, there are several reasons I'm joyful today. Uh, first of all, I have Two of my children here with me, which haven't been in church with me for probably 14 years or more. Uh, so that's joyful. We also have a baptism where we're going to be baptizing someone and then bringing three new members into our church. Another joyful occasion. So this is a, a very joy, joyful place, joyful circumstances. And that is where God wants his people to be. This is, we're right where God wants us to be. It's a universal truth that the world knows what joy is. Human experience knows what joy is. But we know it differently based on being a Christian or not being a Christian. Most people know joy to be temporary, fleeting, seldom. 
but nevertheless something that's sought after. We see joy in the faces of new parents and the laughter of children like we had up here this morning, the innocence of young children as they play and learn and grow, in the attainment of hard-won life goals. But what's the source of our joy? Some common definitions and descriptions of joy. Joy is, intense, is an intense and positive emotion characterized by feelings of happiness, delight, and pleasure. It is typically associated with a sense of contentment, fulfillment, state of well-being. Joy often arises from experiencing or anticipating something that brings about a deep sense of pleasure, satisfaction, or a deep meaning in life. Joy is complex emotion that can be triggered by various factors, such as achieving personal goals, engaging in activities that bring pleasure, forming meaningful connections with others, experiencing love and gratitude, or even witnessing acts of kindness and great beauty. It can manifest as a fleeting moment of happiness or as a sustained state of inner bliss. Ask most people, and they'll say it's happiness. But a true Christian understands that joy goes beyond happiness. Joy is the second fruit of the Spirit from from Galatians 5.22. It's a word that's used over a hundred times in the Old and New Testament. But what is it? What is joy for us as a Christian? It's deeper for us. It's from within. And it isn't dependent on circumstances or good fortune. It's not fleeting. It's, there. it's not there when good things happen and then it leaves when the bad things happen. Uh, true joy is a gift from God. It's a gift from God to those who belong to him. It's an abiding sense that God is in control no matter what happens. We have his promise of salvation and eternal life. Have you ever noticed that as your relationship with Jesus increases, so does your joy? God wants us to be joyful, and his joy is there for the asking. It's a gift that grows out of faith, gratitude, grace, and love, and delight in being alive. He not wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be delighted in the joy of others. An old story tells that one day a farmer knocked on the door of a monastery door, and when the monk tending the gate opened it, He held up this magnificent bunch of grapes, and he said, Brother, these are the finest grapes of my vineyard. I've come to bear them as a gift for you. Thank you, said the gate tender. I'll take them to the abbot immediately. He'll be delighted with this gift. No, 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 said the farmer. I brought this gift for you, for whenever I knock on the door, it's you that opens it. When I needed help because my crop was destroyed by the drought, you gave me a piece of bread and a cup of wine every day. The monk held the grapes, and spent the entire morning admiring them, and decided to deliver the grapes to the abbot anyways, who had always encouraged him with words of wisdom. Now the abbot was very pleased, but he recalled that there was a sick brother in the monastery and thought, I'll give him the grapes. Maybe it will bring some joy to his life. And that's what he did, but the grapes didn't stay long in that sick monastery's room either. For he reflected, the cook has looked after me for so long, eating me only the best meals. I'm sure he'll enjoy these. The cook was amazed, too, because of the beauty of the grapes, and they were so perfect that he thought to himself, no one would appreciate them more than the groundskeeper. Many at the monastery considered him to be a holy man. He would be best qualified to value the marvel of nature. The groundskeeper, in turn, gave the grapes as a gift to the youngest novice that he might understand that the work of God is in the smallest details of creation. And when the novice received them, he remembered the first time he came to the monastery and the person who had opened the gate for him. It was that gesture which allowed him to be among this community of people who knew how to value the wonders of life.
And so, just as before nightfall fell, he took the grapes to the monk again at the gates. Eat and enjoy them, he said, for you spend most of your time here alone, and these grapes will make you very happy. The monk understood at that point the gift had truly been destined for him, and he relished each of the grapes before falling into a pleasant sleep. Thus, the circle was closed. The circle of happiness and joy, which always shines brightly around generous people and communities. Now, if you're like me, when we think back on our youth, you know, through the long mist and haze for many of us, uh, we often look look at it as a time of joy. And if you look at the young children in our congregation, or our young grandchildren, or even our young children when they were young, uh, it was a time of joy, um, and it was expected to be so. We never slept so soundly as we did when we were young children. It's like they have this go juice that just goes, and when it's out, they're out, and they don't wake back up. Boy, don't you wish you could sleep like that again today? I know I do. (laughs) And then we were sent into a hostile world, unprepared for the evil, sin, and ungodliness we're exposed to as we start growing into this world, in schools and sports and other activities of our youth. It's no wonder many people lose sight of a loving and necessary God. Who can compete with the constant bombardment of a sinful world? A world we can't comprehend in our youth and dangers we're not equipped to recognize. In the Garden of Eden, there was joy. Before the corrupting influence of Satan, Adam and Eve knew not sin. Being wholly righteous, they were in a world of love, peace, and joy. But once the knowledge of good and evil were known by them, joy fled. They were consumed with knowledge of evil and even began labeling their innocence as shame. Likewise, in the presence of God in heaven and his heavenly kingdom, there will only be righteousness, love, and joy. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, said this about joy. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Think about that. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Hmm. You see, in the presence of God, there's sin, no guilt, no evil, no worrying, no conflict. Just righteousness, peace, and joy. The only way you can have that kind of a joy, a joy that doesn't fade away, is a, a joy that comes from the Lord. Any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Now, as Christians, we should be joyful for a number of reasons. Uh, First is our salvation. We believe in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Through faith in him, we're forgiven of our sins and have the assurance of eternal life. This realization brings immense joy and peace, knowing we have been reconciled with our creator. Secondly, a relationship with God. Christianity emphasizes a personal relationship with God. We believe we can have direct access to God through prayer and that he's actively involved in our lives every day. This intimate connection with the divine brings joy, comfort, and guidance. God's love and provision is another reason we should have joy. We believe God loves us and provides for our needs. We trust in God's faithfulness and believe that he's working all things for our good. Where have we heard that before? This understanding brings joy even in challenging circumstances, knowing that we're not alone and that God is taking care of us. The next reason we should have joy is hope for the future. We have hope beyond this present life. We believe in the promise of a resurrected life and hope for eternal life and presence with God. This hope brings joy and gives meaning and purpose to our lives, even in the face of difficulty and suffering. And finally, community and fellowship. 
which we see here every Sunday. We encourage believers to be part of a community of faith where we can find support, encouragement, and accountability. Being part of a loving and supportive Christian community can bring great joy as we share life together, worship God, and serve one another. The joy of the heavenly kingdom is our goal. But we can't get there as we are now in this world without the salvation provided by us through belief and relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, despite our very best efforts, we can't save ourselves. We can't provide righteousness. We can only do this like a child by humbling ourselves, accepting this unearned gift from God, and living in a manner that is pleasing to God. Being discovered not just you can know God, or you can know about God, but still not know God. You can read the word of God, but still not be saved. You can hear and understand the word, but not act on it. There are many ways to convince ourselves that we're on the right path to salvation, but not all of us will find the way. The gospel is our redemption. The good news is God's rescue plan for us. How should we react to this? In Matthew, Jesus says several things. First, um, as I read about in the New Testament reading. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had to buy that field. We understand this parable to mean giving up all we have in this world to attain the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. The hymn that we sung this morning, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow in the light of his glory and grace. You see, when you focus on Jesus, when you truly understand the word, when you actively seek a relationship with God, the things of this world do grow dimmer. Less important, temporary, transient. We begin to understand, believe, and act like we are eternal beings. And the life after this one takes on a greater significance to us. It shapes our thoughts, our decisions, and our actions. I have seen it in the members of this church. I have seen the fruits of the Spirit, and I have seen the spiritual gifts in this church. Uh, the endless joy of Uni Stout, even in her later days of challenge. The faith of Tom Robinson and Wilma Manini. The fruit of the Spirit displayed by many of you in this congregation. You see, when the Holy Spirit is in you, it's obvious to anyone who looks for it. You can't hide it under a bushel. You have no choice to be, but to be a light to the darkness around you. Now, last week, Dick Baldwin talked about uh, the prodigal son, the second major reference to God's rescue plan in Matthew. And Dick spoke in reference to the relationship between the father and his children. I'm going to expound on the prodigal son's joyful aspects of that passage. The prodigal son had wandered his inheritance and lived the life of sin, but he returned to his father and was welcomed back with open arms. The story is a reminder of the power of forgiveness and redemption and the joy that comes from being reconciled with God. The prodigal son's joy is a reminder that God's grace is available to all of us, regardless of our past mistakes or failures. You see, the prodigal son made many mistakes, like all of us. But he was still welcomed back into his father's home with welcome arms. God's grace is not based on our performance. It is a gift of God's love and mercy. Prodigal son's joy is also a reminder that our joy is connected to our relationship with God. The prodigal son was separated from his father and lived a life of sin, but his joy was restored when he returned to his father and was reconciled with him. As we seek a life of joy, may we remember 
that our joy is ultimately found in our relationship with God. God's plan for his creation has been one of reconciling his creation from the fall of Adam and Eve all the way through the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. In his parables of the prodigal son and the man who finds treasure in a field, Jesus tells you that the rescue plan is in place. It's available now to hear. A Dominican missionary told of the Dominican sisters he worked with, who, des who described the word joy, J-O-Y, as Jesus, others, and yourself. In that order. If you want to be joyful, put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. As I have matured in my walk with Jesus, I've learned that this is a formula for servant leadership. Bringing joy to others fuels our joy as well. As we serve others, God will ensure we never have an empty cup of joy. It is his gift to us. Do you want joy? Ask for it. Pray for it. Strengthen your relationship with Jesus. Read scripture and serve others. Sometimes the simplicity of a children's message sums it up. Joy is not in your head, it's in your heart. I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. There's no room for anything else but joy. Be joyful, my friends. It is a gift from God for each of us. Your light is essential to a broken world. There are darker times coming, but we have hope. James Brown, the great abolitionist, put it this way at the beginning of the Civil War, a war that was destined to tear this country apart, maybe never to reconcile it. No one knew. But he said this, there has never been a night so dark as to have hindered the coming day or a storm so furious as to prevent the return of warm sunshine. That was a statement of faith. Are you joyfully giving up all you have in this world to obtain salvation in the kingdom of heaven? Are you actively seeking a relationship with God? Are you doers of the words? Are you filled with joy? Are you a light to a dark world? Let me leave you with Paul's benediction to the Romans in Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. All right. It's time for our tithes and offerings. So the reason I give is God's provision. God has been so generous to me and my family with an abundance of, of everything. Uh, uh, there is nothing, no aspect of our life that God has not touched with abundance. Um, so I have, I am returning uh, gifts to God based on uh, the gifts God has given me. Um, he's given me more than I can ever repay. So the small amount that I give back to this church helps sustain it, maintain it, and uh, provide a place of joy for us. And that's why I give. Generous giving God, the gifts we present this day are supposed to represent the best of our discipleship. Why then do we hide what we give, and why do we worry about who might know? 
Grant us the boldness we need to move out of the dark and proclaim our decision to be Christ's disciples to all, to shout it from the rooftops. May we speak to those we know, and even to strangers, of the love of Jesus without fear. Amen. So, I don't want you to sit down. I want you to join us outside where we will do another baptism. We had a baptism class not too long ago, and of the three candidates who came forward, all of them wanted to be baptized by immersion. And so, we made that happen. We have a pool out front, and we'll invite you to come join and stand all around the pool outside as we joyfully baptize Callan James Smith. So, let us go out to do the baptism. (laughs) 